Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today we are joined by our friend, an author, a speaker, a songwriter, Kelly Minter is with us today to round out our fourth week of the spiritual discipline study called Faith in Practice. Y'all, this series to kick off the new year has been Well, I want to say so fun, but goodness, it has been so convicting, so challenging. I've learned so much, and the same will be true for you, I hope, of this episode. Kelly is, like I said, an author. Her most recent release is a Bible study with Lifeway called Finding God Faithful, a study in the life of Joseph. You might remember she joined us last January to talk about Joseph in our Genesis study. Y'all, this episode, this series, talking about spiritual disciplines, we are so grateful for it. And um, we think that you will be too. Let's just get right to it. So Kelly, you were with us last January and you were our podcast guest, one of our first podcast guests. And we... Yeah, I'm really uh, proud of that. I know. I'm I'm grateful We were proud too. (laughs) Super excited. So we actually had you come in for two weeks of our Genesis study. Yes. Because you had written a Bible study. Joseph. We got to just... Yeah, that was so fun. Um, I loved it fascinating. And Mm -hmm. so like, I just loved it. And I like um, that somehow like there's this sweet little thread because now you're back to um, talk with us about spiritual disciplines and you're writing a spiritual discipline study. Yes, I've been working on it for really almost the past year. Okay. And oh, so, so I've really been in this. I've been really in it yeah. and trying to actually practice it because yeah. that's sort of the worst when you're like trying to write something that you're not doing. So I would say yeah. that there were several disciplines that really have been part of my regular lifestyle. Okay. But then there were like a whole bunch that I'm thinking, okay, yeah, no, nah, I need to really step right. it up in some of these areas. So I can tell you what I've been weak at or I can tell you what... But anyway, that's probably not all that interesting. But it is funny with the spiritual disciplines that... You can't do all of them at one time, right? So right. you can't be you can't do the spiritual discipline of community and celebration and do solitude. the spiritual discipline of solitude <laughs> and silence and you can't, you know, uh pray while you study and you can't there's a lot It's hard to both fast and celebrate. Totally. Yeah. So they're meant to go in and out of each other and that's one thing that makes them hard to grab because mm-hmm. they they flow naturally in and out of one another and we even see Jesus doing that. In right. fact, I don't want to jump too far ahead but go ahead. In the study this week, but there is a passage, I think it's in Mark, I'd have to look, but they're seeking solitude. Let me see if I, I think it's in Mark 6. Um, yeah, where he like seeks solitude, it, then they but, come back out but and they then never, he goes right back. And they never get to it. Yeah, oh, because yeah. they get there, they get in the boat. In fact, I'm going to see, yeah. Can I read this passage real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, this where may are have you? been, this is in Mark 6, and it begins in verse 30, and it says that, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves. So here were solitude, silence. Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns (laughs) and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. Then he began to teach them many things. Okay, so this was a fascinating passage for me because we go here because it's about solitude, right? Jesus is saying to his disciples, that's great that you did all these amazing things, but now I want you to come away with me. I want you to go to this deserted place and this remote place and be with me. Yeah, But this whole crowd of people see them on foot, beat them while they're in the boat, and then they get there and wait. All of a sudden, now he can't hold to this discipline. He's going to basically do the discipline of service, or he's going right. to feed them. So they actually never get to it. And yet, at the same time, the disciples are, you know, they're still with Jesus yeah. on the way to this. I think it's just for me, it's like holding, being committed to these disciplines, but also holding them loosely at different times. And so it's like, okay. when do you set the boundary of like, I have to have this time with the Lord? And then when do you go, Okay, I have this time with the Lord, but wait, a whole crowd of people just showed up and I'm going to serve, you know? Right. How, so how rigid, are when are we rigid? When are we flexible? And it's Holy Spirit-led, but we still have to practice these in order, I think, to freely go in and out of them. And yeah. we do find that Jesus is going to go back to some of these, like he'll eventually get his time of solitude. You know, yeah. even when John the Baptist, when John the Baptist is beheaded, Jesus- Mark 14. He, yeah, he goes yeah. away, right? But then same thing, he gets interrupted, but then later that night- 
he then stays he up and goes and back it, again. So yeah. he he eventually gets to it, but we see it's this spirit filled moving in and out. But I do think we have to discipline ourselves in order to be able to move freely in and out of them. It's funny. It strikes me as you told the story about Jesus kind of going like, hey, disciples, come away. We need to be alone. It's the bridegroom was with them because he yes. wasn't going like, all right, everyone go have your quiet time. He right. was saying, come away with me because yes. he's the bridegroom. Yes. Like, and even like when they went to serve, they went with Jesus to serve mm-hmm. and then they went away. Like that's so, man, what is like, what a special time to be with the bridegroom. Yeah. And that's what you're saying, Kelly, is like, even though we don't have Jesus physically here with us, our first and foremost role is to go where he goes. Mm -hmm. So even we may have our agenda of like, here's what my day is going to look like, Uh or my the rhythms of my everyday. But ultimately, we are to be spirit led, we are to go where he's going. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I mean, you're clearly putting me in this place right Mm -hmm. now. So what are you doing here? How do I engage? Because the spiritual disciplines, as we've learned over the last three weeks, this is our fourth week in this series called Faith and Practice, a biblical study of spiritual disciplines. And so we've just been surveying, kind of digging into scripture and taking all of our cues from scripture of like, what are spiritual practices that should be part of our rhythms as believers and Mm -hmm. as Christians, as followers of Jesus, not because we're going to list them all and, okay, I've got to work all these into every day or every week or every month even, but what does it look like in Scripture? What does Scripture teach and model um, that it looks like to be people of God and followers of Jesus? And so it is for that purpose. It is for communing with Him and being engaging and pursuing and resting in Mm -hmm. his presence. Mm -hmm. And there can't be a formula. No. And what I love about this Mark passage too, about this deserted place is that this has a lot of Old Testament connotations. And we see Jesus fulfill those because if you go back to the Old Testament, immediately, if you were reading this and you heard in Mark that Jesus was taking the disciples to a deserted place, your Jewish first century mindset would go, ooh, the wilderness, Exodus. When God led his people in the desert place, 40 years. And what did he do? He provided manna for them, bread. He Mm. let them drink from the rock. He provided for them that entire time. Well, now we get to the New Testament and we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of that rest. It's Mm -hmm. that wilderness place is where we meet him. And now it's not just manna, it's the bread of life. It's not just water from the rock, it's the river of life. You know, And so I think too, after coming through you know, 2020, we're also sick of talking about it, hearing about it, but so many people in a desert space. Yeah. Yeah. I remember right when when everything began to shut down, I was talking to my dad on the phone and I said, Dad, I mean, the Lord has just cleared my calendar. I mean, yeah. cleared it, canceled it. And I said, I think the Lord has some things to tell me. And immediately just my eyes just welled with tears because I knew that the Lord was inviting me to a desert place mm. so that I could find true rest in him, true solitude in him, true but that's where the place I would discover him. And it really has proven true. And so I love this. I guess I want those who are listening to recognize that even if it's a desert place, that doesn't have to be a place that we think, oh my gosh, I'm in the desert. The desert place is oftentimes the place where the Lord invites us to so we can be with him. I mean, even think about in, is it Matthew 4, I think, or 3, where Jesus is baptized by John, and then the Holy Spirit drives him into That's the right. wilderness. The first, yeah. the first thing yes. after his baptism is yes. he goes into the wilderness. And I think it was Dallas Willard who said, we oftentimes we think that he was going there to the wilderness and that the enemy was going to tempt him because that was a place of weakness. He's like, no, the spirit drove him to the wilderness because that would be a place of strength Mm. because Hmm. Jesus would fast, he'd be in the wilderness and he would draw on the power of the father. And then he would be ready after 40 days to contend Having drawn with on the, the enemy. Of the Father. Yeah, which yeah. is a totally different way to wow. look at this, right? Yeah. Right. And so I think this idea of solitude, we think it's a place of lack. We think it's a place of emptiness. We think it's a place of missing out. Loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah. And that's not what it is. It's actually that's not this what really it is rich in Jesus. That's not what it is in Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's that's totally, the difference. His presence totally, is the difference. Completely. Yeah. Because yes. solitude without Jesus. Is I think is loneliness. Yes. If I'm in a place of solitude and I'm feeling lonely, am I engaging the presence 
of Jesus. Right. Because and. you can be, it's interesting how solitude and silence go together, yet they're also separate, mm-hmm. you know, and so one doesn't necessarily include the other. And so in the same way, I think like solitude doesn't necessarily mean I'm engaging God's presence. Yeah. Right. Yes. But it can. Mm-hmm. I it interrupted can. you. What no, you no, no. I, I got excited because I was, when you're talking <laughs> about solitude and science, we also, we think, well, I'm just an extrovert. I'm a people person. So solitude's really hard or whatever. But I loved this quote by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he says, only in the fellowship or like the community of believers yeah. do we learn to be rightly alone. And only in aloneness do we learn to live rightly in the fellowship. And basically what he's saying is we need to be around people to know how to be by ourselves with the Lord, and we need to be by ourselves with the Lord to best be around people and to be a blessing to others. And I do notice that when there are those days that I just skip my time with the Lord or I just rush through— I'm not who the Lord created me to be when I'm around people. I don't have what I need to give and to offer. And so it's that time of solitude with the Lord that then I can rightly be around people. Yeah. So we really need both. We really do. And the opposite is true. You know, like where, I mean, I'm such an introvert, but that doesn't, I'm not excused from community. And that same, I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer it's probably for I assume it's I these are both from quote. life I love together. The quote. Yes, yeah, we we have this one in the study book. Let yep. him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Mm. Each by itself has profound pitfalls and perils because we need them both. We need yes. and both are imperative for the follower of Jesus mm-hmm. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It is so clarifying Mm -hmm. these conversations and like we've talked so much about how all the disciplines seem to kind of intertwine and overlap and but to really dig in and talk about the nuance I think is so clarifying because each one kind of rises up as Mm -hmm. so important Mm -hmm. when it's otherwise it's really easy to go like yeah yeah Uh solitude and silence yes sure sometimes when I'm in my car I turn off the radio or the podcast or whatever. Well, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, am I engaging? Am I listening? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I just said, like, how cool that Jesus said, hey, come away with me, not go mm-hmm. have your quiet time. Because mm-hmm. he, he is, yeah, he's the quiet time, right? Um, but, I mean, this morning, Jesus beckoned me to him. He mm-hmm. said, hey, come away with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's we're excited for the disciples that they get the incarnate Christ. Mm-hmm. But, like, we have the Holy we Spirit. Have the Spirit. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. and even knowing, so for you this morning, just to put you on the spot for a minute, Rachel, like, you knew that we were going to have this conversation. Yeah. So here we are spending time in God's word together mm-hmm. in fellowship. This yeah. is good time yeah. as believers. Yeah. You know, this is a good, right thing to do. Yeah. But that didn't compel you to ignore yeah. the invitation yeah. to come and be alone yeah. mm-hmm. with. And Savior. sometimes Jesus beckons me and I say, Yeah, actually, I don't have time right now. Like, right. I have to. I'm real busy. Yeah. Jesus. Uh-huh. yeah. Have you uh-huh. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, it's not always, yes. It's yes. not always, you know. Sweet. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like, well, you know, had I woken up a little sooner. But like one of the things that has always astounded me as a believer is um, that relentless pursuit of me as a mm. human. I've all my life felt pursued by God. And oh. I think that like even like 38 years in, like mm. he this morning was like, come be with me. Yes. You know, yeah. and I, I'm just so grateful I for still that. Wanna, yeah. I still want to spend time wanna, with you, Rachel. I still want to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Even and I want you to spend time with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of Hosea. It's just one of my favorite books of the Bible where it's just yeah. the way that God's pursuit, it's tender. There are those moments. And then there are the, I see you going the way that you're going and I'm going to put you know, this hedge of thorns and thistles and like send Mm. you back this way. And it really is. And that is, I mean, that is the heart of what we're talking about. That this is not how to be a Christian as in these are the things that save you. Yeah, sure. These are the Mm -hmm. things that merit your salvation or these are the things that you have to do to earn it or to keep it. Yeah, That's not what these are. This is about our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, yeah. it's in your. It's right in the study where it talks about these are an outflow. Yeah, of, yeah. you're right of the grace, yeah. which is yeah. so awesome. And I think too, we see modeled in Jesus in that you were talking about that Matthew 14 passage where John the Baptist is beheaded, and in verse 13 of Matthew yeah. 14, it says, "When Jesus heard about it, because mm-hmm. this is a gut punch. I mean, this Shh. deep. I mean, John the Baptist. They've been." Together since the were the relatives. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they grew up, yes. I, I mean, he's the forerunner. I mean, this he is he baptized just, him. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah. right. So this is just as deep as it can go of a loss. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. Right, and so this is not Jesus going. Well, probably the thing I should do is go be with the Father right now, or whatever. It's just the second he heard it, yeah, he bolts to this mm-hmm. place of communion with his father. It's been interesting the last several months, just some of the heartache over the isolation of COVID and Mm -hmm. not getting to spend time with certain ones that I love and little ones that I love and not being able to see, and especially around the holidays and just really painful. And I have found myself wanting to go to the Lord in a way that I haven't, and whereas I might want to call a friend and mm-hmm. be like, I just can't believe I'm just, this is so hard, or, or yeah. you know, and not that I hadn't done that ad nauseum <laughs> with multiple people, but it got to the point where I realized that it was only the Lord was going to be able to tend to me in these lonely places and in these hard places. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many quiet times with the Lord that really nobody else that I haven't really even talked about with anybody else, except for now I'm talking about it to like a bunch of people, but um, <laughs> where I've just really like cried before him and told yeah. him like, I am lonely. I don't have children of my own. I don't have, and this is so hard not to be able to grab my little ones that are, mm-hmm. that I've invested in nieces and nephews or, you know, whoever it might be. It was just such a hard time, but I felt like I started to get why Jesus longed to go to his father because I was longing to go to him. Mm-hmm. I knew he was the only one that could yeah. meet me. And but then, of course, we see yet again, he gets there and he gets yep. ashore and then there's right. all the people, right? Yeah. So we have to make – I think one of the things that I love about the spiritual disciplines is that we have to make use of all the time. Because even back in Mark 6, we were talking about the disciples. They think, okay, sweet. We're going to get to that. We're in the boat with Jesus and we're going to get to that desert place and we're going to have this awesome time with him. But that time never comes. Mm-hmm. So the only time they end up having with him is actually in the boat. Yeah. Mm. So then that boat, that commute – becomes essential. And you just talked about it, Amanda, about like you're in your car and you turn off the podcast because you don't know what your day is going to be. So I'm not saying that we don't ever listen because obviously, hopefully people are going to listen to this, right? (laughs) Please continue to listen to this episode. um, Yeah. But (laughs) there's this time where that 20 minutes or that 25 minutes, I can redeem that for silence silence in the presence of the Lord, for solitude. And it's like, you know, we were talking... Peloton before we hit record, but it's like one of the things that they talk about when you're on the Peloton is active recovery, where they give you like two minutes and you're not stopping. Right, right. But they're not pushing you like, you don't feel like you're going to die. But they're like, this is for two minutes, you've got active recovery. And I've started to take that into the spiritual place because I'm like, oh, I like that. Those little active recovery moments, I can blow that and waste that. Yeah. Or I can keep pedaling Mm -hmm. and keep. I can actively recover. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about solitude, silence. It's, they're not stationary. You're not off the bike. You haven't stopped pedaling. Yeah. But you're also not like crushing it. You're not feeding the crowds. And you know <laughs> you know what I would say with the lows and the bright, but you're doing something that's active, but you're recovering in the process. Yeah. And, and something that's equally important. Like you can't equally. crush it on the Peloton. Right. If you, I've, I've right. never ridden Peloton, but I would assume that you can't crush it Without if you also don't ramp up and ramp back down. You yes. know what I mean? Like you can't just, that's not the only part right. of the ride. Exactly. And it's important. I love that analogy. One of the things that we've talked about as a team is identifying little solitudes mm. in our day. Mm-hmm. And so, and you could even do like little silences or whatever, just mm-hmm. moments like that, mm-hmm. that you can reclaim. Yep. And sometimes, I mean, I'm, you know, you may hear this and think, well, Goodness, am I supposed to always just be like, how do I, how do I do this better? How do I do this better? And, but again, I think we just have to continually shift our perspective that mm-hmm. this is not a doing. This is a being. This mm-hmm. is a, an inviting and mm-hmm. a, a communicating with. Yeah. And, and sitting in the presence of and having a relationship with 
Jesus. Mm-hmm. I like um, that. And I think that like it really is the both. Like it's yeah. finding the little solitudes, like redeeming time, mm-hmm. that like active recovery, mm-hmm. and it's the intentional, like mm-hmm. put it in your eye, Cal. Yeah. You know, like right. it's both. And I was going to say you can't have one without the other, but I think like the set aside lengths of time are so important. Anyway. No, I totally agree because we do, I mean, we can't totally lose the idea of discipline because that's, they're the spiritual disciplines. But to Amanda's point, they're disciplines so that we can enjoy what God has to offer us. And so there's this like this kind of this tension. And I know that a lot of times we think, oh gosh, the last thing I want to do is saddle myself with a whole bunch of disciplines. But disciplines are our way to freedom. I mean, they are the way. I mean, I'm in Portuguese lessons right now because of all my trips to the Amazon. And there's just simply no way to learn that language without me disciplining myself to sit there with my flashcards and my there's no other way to do it. I mean, yes, I could immerse myself and live there or whatever, but I have to discipline the time. But hopefully, as I do that discipline, there will be a day where there will be the freedom where I will be able to speak. You know, oh, that's and, such a good yeah. way to put it. The discipline brings freedom. Yes. It's all about freedom. Yeah. And it's all I about think, the yes. joy mm-hmm. of what's on the other side. And we get tripped up on the discipline piece because we think, well, we don't want to make this legalistic and this mm-hmm. is for our benefit and this is for... Because that sounds joyless. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But the discipline is for the enjoyment of and it. And it doesn't even have to be something that is like big. Like I love that analogy of learning the language, but I think it also... In these small moments, like when I think about reclaiming moments of solitude and silence to really engage God's presence and be present in the moment, that then, even like a small amount of time, changes the way that I engage the people Mm. around me. Yes. I really think it's not, well, we're going to ignore everything and everyone and constantly just be about... That's not what that's no. not what Jesus does. No. And so I think our tendency is to like, yeah, but then what about this? But that's kind of the point is it's all of that. Uh-huh. And the only way to understand how these things work together is to study Jesus's life mm-hmm. and watch it work, mm-hmm. you know, and to see how he lives. Yes. And watch him be interrupted and right. all of these, yeah, I mean, these pieces. Who was interrupted more? I don't know, because it's all the time. I know. And I love that one that example that you pointed out after John the Baptist is killed. Matthew 14. Yeah. And Matthew 14. Later, he dismisses the crowds. This is verse 23. After dismissing the crowds, well, verse 22, he makes the disciples get into the boat and go to the other Mm -hmm. side ahead of him. 23, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Mm -hmm. Well into the night, he was there alone. Yeah. Um, So he finally gets his He finally gets it, and he gets it in the middle of the night. Yeah. I would assume that there was some lamenting happening Mm -hmm. in that time. And so like another example of how these practices weave in and out of one another and and are interdependent because, I mean, he had to have been grieving his friend. Yeah. And he's communing. He's praying. He's communing with the Lord. And I think that's That's another distinction. A lot of times I think... You know, we can talk about solitude and think, oh, yes, I just need a day by myself. Like, I just need a hammock and a (laughs) book, and I need a. And there's nothing wrong (laughs) with that. That would probably fall more into the spiritual discipline potentially of rest. Yeah. But being by yourself with a novel is actually not Christian solitude. Right. Yeah. The solitude as a believer, if Mm -hmm. we're practicing the discipline, it is quietness and aloneness to be with the Lord, to be with the Lord. When Jesus sent his disciples away, even there in Matthew 14, it wasn't to to go play their Game Boys. Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Or to even have a day by themselves. You know, like it, it was to be with him. Hey friends, Amanda here. I want to take a moment to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, August Cloth. Here's the thing, finding clothes that fit like a dream and have effortless style can feel like hunting for a unicorn. Sure, I want to look cute and put together, but I also want my clothes to feel like me. And thanks to the adventure that was 2020, I now insist on being comfortable at all times. That's why I'm genuinely excited to introduce you to August Cloth, an online clothing boutique that offers curated styles and true-to-life try-on videos, so you can find a look you love in the size that's right for you. And as an adoptive mama, I love that the owner of August Cloth 
and fellow She Who Reads Truth, Crystal, is also dedicated to using their business to support adoptees, birth families, and adoptive families. But back to the close, Crystal and her team chose some styles for us to try, and I'll be honest, they have me pegged. This week alone, I've worn the Angie Knit sweater and the Cora Colorblock sweater, which Rachel has already threatened to borrow slash steal, and the gals in the office complimented me on both, and I was comfortable. Cute and comfortable. This is the goal. August Cloth is giving Shiri's Truth Podcast listeners 15% off your purchase at augustcloth.com just by using the code SRT15 at checkout. The code only lasts until March 7th, so be sure to shop before then. Also, if you want to keep up with their new arrivals, you can follow August Cloth on Instagram or Facebook at August Cloth. New arrivals drop every Thursday, and you know they're doing these try-on videos as each item releases. So go to augustcloth.com and use code SRT15 for 15% off, now through March 7th. Hey friends, Rachel here. I want to take a minute to tell you about apartment life. Did you know that 95% of people living in apartments aren't connected to a local church? Apartment Life shows God's love to apartment residents in real, tangible ways, opening the door to connect them to the local church and ultimately to share the gospel with people who might never hear it from someone else. We just aren't meant to stay isolated, and Apartment Life does so much to bring people together. Apartment Life pairs hosts with apartment residents to host events, build community, and care for fellow residents in times of need. Even virtual events can make a huge difference to help people feel connected. Those experiences can open the door to meet people right where they are with the hope of the gospel. Apartment Life has connected more than 65,000 residents with a local church over the last 20 years, and they are making more connections every day. So if you're passionate about loving your neighbors and you love to throw a good virtual party, visit apartmentlife.org slash She Reads Truth to find out how you can become a host. Okay, let's get back to the show. We were at lunch yesterday with a friend, with Rebecca Lyons, and we were, Rebecca was asking kind of at the end of the meal, like, hey, how can I pray for you? Mm. Um, Which is a great way to end a meal, truly. And I just said, coming off of Christmas break, Mm. um, I enjoyed so much rest, um, rest in the form of play, like Mm -hmm. being with my family, just getting that quality time. But the thing that I lacked in all of that rest was solitude. Mm. And, and so I just like, I need, I need solitude. Mm-hmm. And you can sense that. And what that. a nice distinction. Yeah. You had rest, mm-hmm. but you didn't have solitude. Didn't solitude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had that, fellowship. I had yeah, fellowship. And, fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> and even silence. I know Dallas Willard in his um, The Spirit of the Disciplines book, one of the things he talks about when we talk about silence is a lot of us avoid it. Yeah. Partly because we're afraid. What in the world does it mean to be quiet before the Lord? Mm-hmm. And all of our fears, our anxieties, our worries rise to the surface, and we live in a culture that gives us every opportunity to drown. In fact, to drown noise. I remember being in the Amazon with Justice Mercy International, and this has happened multiple times, but we're on the boat, you sleep on a hammock, and the Americans cannot fall asleep because it's so doggone quiet. And huh. in some ways, it's actually quite loud because you hear the caiman and the frogs and the all the nocturnal animals are super – in some ways, they're kind of loud – but it's quiet. Nobody knows what to do. And I remember one year, my sister popped on her noise machine. She had like a battery powered, <laughs> and it like starts. It goes off, and everybody's like, "Oh, praise the Lord!" Like you know, and all the Americans go to sleep. And the next day, Milton, our jungle guide, who was born and raised in the Amazon, he was like, "What was that weird, awful sound that you guys like turned on?" And it destroyed his night because. He's used to silence, wow. and so that's a peaceful thing for him, uh-huh. whereas our entire culture wars against it to the point where yes. we have to have a fan. Even to sleep, we need noise. We need noise to sleep, and we need noise in the car, and we need noise in our head, you know, yeah. headphones, and we need – and I think we really need to ask ourselves why yeah. and yeah. what are we afraid of, and that's the beauty of cultivating time in the presence of the Lord is we begin to see his – forgiveness for, I mean, if our sin is rising or our shame is rising to the surface, we begin to experience his forgiveness, his love, his invitation, just being in the presence of the Lord. And we don't know how to be silent, much less silent with the Lord. Right. And I think that 
you know, we were talking about this guy, Donald Whitney, that wrote a great book on the spiritual disciplines, but he said more than any generation in history, we must discipline ourselves to enjoy the blessings of silence and solitude. More than any generation in history. And I think he's right because we we are we are surrounded by noise. Well, it's that. And also we talk a lot. You know, like we always have it's this culture of like we have to have something to say all the time. Mm. And and so that's what convicted me the most about the silence scripture readings for this day were just how many times it's like be silent before the Lord. I love Isaiah 30, 15, um, for the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, you will be delivered by returning and resting. Mm -hmm. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. Mm. I love the NIV of this. That's how I'd learned it. Because when I read that, I was like, that's not how I remember learning that verse. Um, The NIV says, in repentance and rest Uh is your salvation, Mm. in quietness and trust is your strength, Mm. but you would have none of it. You know, because he's, he's talking to Israel. But I love, so Richard Foster, this is very similar to what Dallas Willard is saying, but kind of like the individualized version of that. Um, in a celebration of discipline, he says, a frantic stream of words flows from us because we are in constant process mm-hmm. of adjusting our public image. We hear mm-hmm. so deeply what we think other people see in us that we talk in order to straighten their understanding. Mm-hmm. One of the fruits of silence is the freedom to let God be our justifier. Wow. And I just, I was like, that is it. Mm-hmm. I will talk until I feel it. Cause one of my biggest fears is being misunderstood, Yes, you know? Too. And like, mm-hmm. I, it's one of the things that is so, it just really gets me deep if mm-hmm. I feel misunderstood and yeah. And it just like, talk, 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 talk. And then Dallas Willard says, why do we insist on talking as much as we do? We run off at the mouth because we are inwardly uneasy about mm-hmm. what others think of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that just is painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Willard. Uh, so solitude and silence, they kind of go hand in hand. They kind of run in and out of each other, which I think both run so well into simplicity which is one of my favorites of the disciplines. And I was thinking when I was writing the study that I'm working on on the spiritual disciplines, I kept thinking of them as all the disciplines as like separate street names or, you know, or you take a left onto simplicity and you take a right onto solitude or whatever. But (laughs) but as I kept going, though, I've really felt more like it's actually all just one road that just keeps changing names. But it's the same oh, road, you know, yeah. because you're, you're, you're in and out, you're in fellowship. We're really with and then, you, you know, yeah. are, Okay, good. Because I couldn't, it was so hard to yeah. like break these apart because even when you think about solitude and silence, those really run into simplicity. Because if we live a overly complex, complicated, always needing the next upgrade, the workmen are always at the house, we're always building, we're always this or yeah. that, then where is the, how can we have simplicity? And how are we going to have silence and solitude without, you know, they all mm-hmm. just kind of spill into each other, right? Yes. And that now my mind that wants to like play with this metaphor and be like, well, is it like a variety of altitudes or different terrain? <laughs> sure. Is it now a dirt Curvy. road? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think for sure. But these all go together. And I loved how in the faith and practice study book, I loved how you all grouped these because it encouraged me because it was how... I had actually grouped these all very similarly as well. Oh, cool. And because it made sense to me that these kind of all are going to be friends. Yeah. yeah. And they are friends. I yeah. like that too. And when I'm, hands. when I'm, when I don't have quiet, when I don't have a good rhythm, simplicity is usually out the door. Yeah. I mean, it's usually because things are super complicated. And that's one thing that I will say the last year that we've just come out of, we have been forced into some simplicity. And I think. Some people have been able to look at that as a blessing and say, some of it was really hard, but some of it really just made us, you know, come down yeah. to the things that matter. And yeah. we, I mean, even what Jesus sends out the disciples and he's like, hey, look, you two go together, but you don't need to take the money belt. You don't need to take all the extra stuff with you. And I think partly it was just like to free them up to rely on the spirit and to do the ministry that they needed to do. Even Jesus, when that one disciple, says, hey, I want to follow you. I'm going to go wherever you want to go. Blah, yeah. blah. And he says, hey, foxes have dens and you know, birds have nests, or I can't remember exactly. But he says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head because Jesus was very simple. And it wasn't 
simple in that he was missing out. It was like, no, he was untethered. He was free. He was free to move about and go where he needed to go and do what he needed to do. And there's a freedom to simplicity, massive freedom to simplicity. I agree. I get really excited about this discipline because (laughs) I don't want to be saddled, you know, and I don't want to be discontent. I think that when we learn how to live simply, and we say no to ourselves in certain areas, we learn to be content. And Paul even says that. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. And it's not more stuff. It's not more complications. Mm -hmm. And uh, this can be difficult at first, but, and I certainly have, my gosh, haven't even close to arrived on this, but just when I have been able to (laughs) practice being simpler, it's been a real blessing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we've gotten to experience some of those blessings this last year. Yeah. As a lot of our options were taken away. That we probably wouldn't have. Maybe pursued. Purpose, yeah. yeah. Right. We wouldn't oh, have yeah. chosen. Oh, yeah. um, I would actually love for us to read some of that from Luke 12. Yes. Because it's so interesting. When he, when he says that to the disciples, he also tells them, in the middle of that, he tells them not to be afraid. And I think it's so interesting Mm -hmm. that he has to tell them not to fear when he's talking to them about possessions and his care for them. He has to remind them not to be afraid because, and I just think, man, maybe we're not that different (laughs) from the disciples in that we equate stuff and comfort (laughs) with security and control. Mm -hmm. And like all of that is intertwined with our peace. Ray, would you read for us? Yeah, I'll read. I'm looking at verses 31 through 33 specifically. But I got to start at 15. Oh, we're going all the way up. We don't have to read the whole thing, but Mm. listen to what 15 says. Mm -hmm. This day, I will say probably the most of this week, Mm. this time when I read it through was the most convicting to me because it is just so abundantly clearly stated in Scripture, Yeah, the relationship that we are to have with our inanimate objects. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really clear. Mm-hmm. And ooh, in Luke 12, tough. verse 15, mm-hmm. Jesus said to the disciples, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Mm-hmm. Then he told them a parable. Oh, yeah. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build Mm -hmm. bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Mm -hmm. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay, I want to pause. Okay. Because, you know, when we talk about, and I think John Mark talks about this in his book a little bit, but um, the stuff that we accumulate costs more than the money we pay to get Mm -hmm. it. You know, like it costs our affection, it costs our time, Mm -hmm. it costs more money down Mm -hmm. the road to maintain the It's the buy more bought. stuff, now need more space, yeah, now right? need mm-hmm. yeah. more stuff in um, that new space. You might have the money, but do you have the time and the, right. know, the mental wherewithal? Right. Yeah. The stress of mm-hmm. like either owning the thing or having to organize the thing. Mm-hmm. like Upkeep it, upgrade it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's Repair somewhere, it. I think it's in the giving day, somewhere in some of this prep that we read over the last couple weeks there's a saying to develop oh here it is it's in dallas well of course we're just going to quote dallas, dallas willard the, like he's the best <laughs> a gazillion yeah. times but it's in spirit of the disciplines mm-hmm. develop a habit of giving things away mm-hmm. that's in a whole slew of he's just saying like a bunch of things mm-hmm. over and over and over about simplicity yeah. um just kind of practical things but in, learn to enjoy things without owning them yes like yes. things like that i'm like yes like why do we think it's even as simple as i want to read this book why is my default to go to Amazon right. and see how much the book costs and how fast I can get it? Mm-hmm. Where did the library go? Yes, or like right. online lending library or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, why do I feel like I have to? And, and books are a very tender thing for me. But um, <laughs> which is why it kind of like it exposes me mm-hmm. to say yeah. like, why do I feel like I have to own that? Because now, I mean, I have boxes of books in my garage. What good is that doing yeah. anyone? And why? And it's not just the like logistical issue it's the heart issue yeah of like why am i so quick 
to trade my resources, not just of money, but other resources that I've been given of space and time, whatever. I'm so quick to trade those off to mm-hmm. get something that I think I need. Right. And, and even Earth. Possess. Like, I mean, just like the unsustainability of continuing to produce more things and yeah. own more things. Uh-huh. It's Amazon boxes. And, and try to the keep cardboard up alone. with everything. Of, yeah. getting, of buying that book. 2020 I mean, was astounding how much waste we produced in such a small period of time. Like, yes. I wonder if there's going to be, maybe there is, and someone can point it out to us, but some sort of study of like, because we had to do so much, you know, like grocery delivery yeah. or online buying or whatever, like just We weren't allowed the to amount. take our reusable bags into stores um, because they... I mean, yeah, the amount yeah. of waste, it's appalling on a normal year, mm-hmm. a yeah. normal quote yeah. year. Anyway. No, I mean, but we have to say no to ourselves. And that's part of the discipline is saying no that's to ourselves in certain discipline. years. But it's good because we're not just saying no to these things. We're saying, because we're saying no to those, we're saying yes to what matters. And yes. I love what Willard says too. He says, frugality is a settled style of life, frees us from indifferent things. And yeah. that's where I just, I'm ready to be freed from the indifferent things. Oh, I word. really want, yeah. and he talks about simplicity as the arrangement of life around a few consistent purposes. Mm-hmm. And I really have loved, even again, that we've been forced into some simplicity. And I think the blessings have been great. I picked up my niece and nephew yesterday to walk around a park here in Nashville. And I picked him up and I guess they'd been fighting. And so they weren't allowed to play their like video games or whatever. And Will goes, and we almost got this taken away, like this walk. <laughs> and um, and I was thinking, wow, this is a whole new low. Like your big walk to the park with your aunt, you know. And, I mean, like I like to think I'm pretty fun, but I mean uh-huh. that's kind of like you know, like what. But we got to the park and they were so excited. Yeah. And part of it is because life has become so much simpler because there's just not all the activities and the flash and the paintball. That, and yeah. so a walk with their aunt is actually like one of the big highlights of the day, you know? And we had a really good little hike and it was not an indifferent thing. It was That's an right. eternal yeah. thing. It was something that really, really mattered in my day. And I left work a little early to go over with them. And, you know, Harper was learning a verse about acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your yes. path straight. And, and we were on a straight path at that point. And I was like, able to say, like, what is a straight path? And what does it mean to acknowledge him? And why is that? And they were, we were dialoguing about these things. And that oh, was gonna some re- of this. She's going to remember that. I hope so. And it was just, it was really so special. But I was thinking those simple things that are the eternal things. Yeah. And when they were forced into a discipline of simple, I was forced into a discipline this last year of more simple. And I'm realizing that the fruit of it is such a blessing. And mm-hmm. so... It's like, what can we cast off as a discipline? What can we cast off that really adds worry, stress, anxiety, takes up our time, takes Mm -hmm. up our mental capacity, takes up our money? I just, I don't want to live that way. Mm -hmm. I really want to live fulfilled by the things of Christ and live for the eternal things and the things that matter. So we just really need to get rid of the idea that living simply, that's not synonymous with living empty. And mm-hmm. I think that we think simple means empty. That No, or it lack. means full yeah. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I look back to this Luke 12 and, mm-hmm. you know, after the parable of the man who builds the storehouses, you know, we get, you know, Jesus saying, consider the ravens, you mm-hmm. know, and don't worry about what you'll eat or drink mm-hmm. or wear. And yeah. then he says, consider the wildflowers. Yeah. And then um, kind of concluding that chapter Um, or the section that we have to read in verse 31, he says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And then here's this line that I love. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, Mm -hmm. an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Yeah. The eternal, yeah. the eternal money bags. Uh-huh. He's constantly, he's constantly like, doing this. It. Treasure is something yeah. that is. And think about who Jesus was teaching this to, like his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and then here in Luke. Think who he's teaching. He's teaching this to a very simple and honestly, in some ways, like not wealthy at all society. Yeah. And so I think it was Richard Foster that points out. He says, "Listen, if Jesus was teaching this strongly to a already very simple society." How much more yeah. do we need this in the 21st century in the, the West? I mean, yeah. because he was strong about it here. And I don't know. I get super excited about these passages yeah, because I, do I just don't want to. And I'll just confess, I just, there were just so many years that were not simple for mm-hmm. me. They were just complicated and stressful mm-hmm. and 
consumed not just money, but time and my mind and my anxieties. And I don't want to live that way. And I yeah, feel like yeah. I feel like there have been some real changes for me the last couple of years. And I am so grateful for that. And I see the blessing of that. And I just, I don't know, I want to be committed. I want yeah. to be committed mm-hmm. to those things. It's one of the reasons these conversations are important. Because to know that, you know, to have these conversations with with friends, with fellow believers, and look at each other and say, this matters, mm-hmm. and it's important, mm-hmm. and and to encourage um, one another in that. I love how the First Timothy passage on this day kind of says exactly what you just said. It sums it up so beautifully. First Timothy 6, 17, instruct those who are mm-hmm. rich in the present age not to be arrogant mm-hmm. or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all these things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly truly life. life. That line (laughs) is so good. Like letting go of the things that aren't truly life. Mm-hmm. So that you can take hold of what is truly life. Right. Um, it really is a like, you got to open your hands and get some stuff out, like to be able to hold on to I the love things that. that matter. I mean, right on the heels of that, this was something that just grabbed me and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And this is out of Acts 28, chapter 28. It's the very, very end of Acts. And the last two verses of the entire book of Acts, it says about Paul, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. Um, And he welcomed all who visited him. So he was just free, right? All who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. And here we go. And without hindrance. And I thought that to me, like that grabbed, I thought this is a verse, a couple verses for my coming years. Like I want to be free and ready for all who come by, people, whoever I engage to serve. And I want to do it without hindrance. And I was thinking about all the things that hinder and so much of the time it's possessions it's aspir it's all these things that and i just want to serve without hindrance well it just makes you think is it hebrews that's run the race with perseverance yes, throw off the things that easily yeah, entangle yes, mm-hmm. yes throw them off yeah Simplicity. and run uh-huh yeah. yeah it's a blessing i'm convinced on this, <laughs> like, on on this road that changes names yeah that changes names <laughs> yeah which you know eventually goes into generosity and all that stuff which yeah. i love that you guys are going to talk about in another week or yeah but yeah i think it is a good thing to pare back it's yeah. a really good thing to pare back so we can experience more of the fullness. I think one of the things that I had written was that I said oftentimes, especially in our wealthy and busy culture, simplifying means saying no to what we could otherwise afford or do mm-hmm. for the sake of the deeper riches and experiences mm-hmm. of obedience to God. Yeah. Sometimes we're hamstrung because we can't afford it and because we can do it. And so we think that we should buy it and we should do it. Yeah. But sometimes in our culture, it means... No, I'm, I'm actually going to say no to that experience or say no to that purchase so that yeah. I can make room for the more deeper experience This of is the conversation that goes well beyond live within your means. Right. It's yes. not like, well, if you have it, it's fine, you mm-hmm. know, but it's the conversation of saying no to the lie that having something more will bring me more freedom. Right. Right. Yes. It's actually so good. Mm-hmm. Very often the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really want us to get to remembrance, but there is one thing we um on day 25 of this week is on the spiritual practice of chastity, mm-hmm. which we have defined in our book as the practice of refraining from sexual thought and activity. And I really appreciated this day because it has some of the, like I expected to see Romans 12, 1, mm-hmm. you know, sure. that to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I was sort of taken aback to start with Psalm 139. I have like a tender relationship with Psalm 139. I yeah. just, I love it. I think many of us do. But I had never connected this passage with this topic of, right. I thought of, the same. Yeah, of just um, sexual purity and, and morality. And I'd love for us to read it just because I'm curious if you all feel the same. You said you did. I just thought, oh, of course it starts right here. 
Yes. Of course it does. Right. But I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't either. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read it. It's just the whole psalm is amazing, beautiful. Um, It's the word of the Lord. But this is Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. For it is you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. What struck me about that is the intimacy of that passage. That like, what? Just from the jump, like what an intimate relationship we have with our creator whether we know it or acknowledge Mm -hmm. it or not Mm -hmm. like and that's really what sex is about yeah that's what it's the Mm -hmm. desire to be fully known and intimately known Mm -hmm. and i mean it brings tears to my eyes i Mm want to go back to my younger self i'm sure someone said this to me i know Mm -hmm. they did i can see their faces Mm -hmm. but i just want to say to myself like you're already known Mm -hmm. You're mm-hmm. already loved. Like, mm-hmm. listen to the tenderness of this passage mm-hmm. um, that if what you long for is to be known and loved, like, you have been from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, you know, this topic is so complex mm-hmm. and and heavier than just a platitude, but it's not a plat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it just makes me weepy mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. God's care. Mm-hmm. In the creation of us, mm-hmm. in the details, mm-hmm. and of there's the creation a trust. There's a trust because I mean, yeah. trust. Like I was, we were joking because I'm like, I kind of have to live my whole life like with this discipline, <laughs> like all the time, like all the time. You know, yeah. so this discipline is one of those ones. The road never changes names until I get married. You know, right. if yeah. that ever happens. So it's I'm always on this road, always. Like yes. you know, right? But it, it has required a great deal of trust, yeah, of, of my creator that this is what he's prescribed. Because if I didn't trust the Lord and didn't believe in his goodness, then we would not be on this road. Right. Like, right. at all. Yeah. I mean, I love that Psalm 139, and I wouldn't have connected it there, but it is a blessing to say, Lord, I trust that you do know me. I trust that because you created me, that you are good and that this is the right way. Because it's hard and it sometimes it's easier than other times and sometimes it's really really hard and it just kind of ebbs and flows it never really goes away but there's this it's something that has deepened my trust with the lord and reminds me that it's in obedience well jesus himself says in first john and in john he says if you love me you will obey me so this is a way that i get to love the lord and then i get to trust the lord yeah. and it's not just me bringing something to him it's also the blessing that he's given me and mm. it is hard there's no question about it but i have seen him provide i've seen him provide for me and i've seen him fill me in ways that i probably wouldn't have been able to be filled had my circumstances been different you know yeah. but yeah i know it was like when we were talking about this week, yes. you know, Rachel's like, oh, there's chastity. And I was like, great. great. <laughs> um, woo, I can be the poster child. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, I don't know. It's not an easy road, but it is not an unfulfilling road. I will say mm. that. I don't know how you can have this like void and emptiness, but I do yeah. not feel unfulfilled. Yeah, And it's a way to be intimate with the Lord because how much more intimate can you be with the Lord than trusting him with kind of our greatest right. desire and passion? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, so thank you guys for starting with Psalm 139 because <laughs> I would have never put it there either. I, I, my, my mind would have never gone there. Yeah. Well, and this yet, was not my first time to read this plan, but I didn't. I don't know. I didn't remember that it was there or it just kind of knocked me over. But here's what I love about what you just shared. Thank you for sharing that, Kelly. Thank you. Um, Is that this last discipline, I'm like so feeling so weepy about this, but I think it's because it's such a beautiful way to come full circle. Mm. This last discipline of remembrance, Mm. that was kind of a thread that was through what you just said of like, that it's trusting the Lord that this is a way that I get to love him. And the way that you know that he's worthy of that, I'm assuming, is that you remind yourself by reading his word, Mm -hmm. by looking back on this long road that changes Mm -hmm. names, Mm -hmm. um, by looking around you and remembering who he is, Mm -hmm. what he's done, what Mm -hmm. he's doing, what Mm -hmm. he's going to do, how he's been faithful, 
how he's promised to continue to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And this word of remembrance, it came up so much when we were talking with Rebecca last week. Yeah. And I feel it is like the undercurrent of what you're saying now that um, the necessity of remembering what God has done and remembering who he is. Yes. Yes. I, I think the thing that I learned in this study on that Remembrance Day, or the thing that I knew but I forgot, lost mm-hmm. sight of, yeah. is that remembrance is more than um, marking and remembering the hard things, mm-hmm. um, more oh, than yeah. marking and remembering the good things. But even better than that, it's marking and remember. Like, and I'm talking about like the hard things in our lives and the sure. good things in our lives and others. That rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping yeah. with those who weep. The bigger, better thing is remembering the wondrous works of the Lord, and that's yeah. what the scripture mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And it's good oh, to remember yeah. the things that God has done for me, mm-hmm. but it's great to mm. remember the things the Lord has done. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, those Ebenezers that were that were set out thousands of years before yeah. I yeah. was a twinkle in my mother's uh-huh. eye, right? Like yes. but I think that when we have discussions about the faithfulness of God, um, sometimes we start and end the conversation about the faithfulness of God in my life. Uh, right. And right. it's such oh, it's, a bigger line, oh, yeah. such a longer line. Oh, and that's like, why, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Man. I was just going to say it's like a star versus a galaxy. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. yes, that is so true yeah. and worth remembering yeah. and celebrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I. But then you look up and look around. I, uh-huh. I know that I can trust the Lord because he has been faithful to me. Even had I like lived for two minutes, <laughs> you know, like I can know that I can trust the Lord because of his faithfulness. Yes, yes. Period. Full and stop. That's why it's so good for us to know the whole of scripture. And yes. that's where even yeah. you guys we have on page 136 that Psalm 143, 4 through 6 says, My spirit is weak within me, my heart is overcome with dismay. And then he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I reflect on the work of your hands. And I doubt if that is a Psalm of David. I doubt David is just thinking about the days of old, his yeah. days. I think he's talking about yeah. Israel's history. Yeah. And um, I remember years ago being in counseling and this counselor was like, I was telling him all the stuff that I was going through. And he goes, well, we need to go back to the beginning. And I was like, oh, for sure. I'm like, I mean, kindergarten was so traumatic and this blah, blah, blah. And I started like, all the, and he's slowly opening up his Bible and he plops open to Genesis 1. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, that beginning. You mean the beginning before my beginning, you know, and he grounded all of these things that oh. I was dealing with in Genesis oh. 1, 2, 3. And I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. I, my story is not the beginning. And that is actually great news for us yeah. as we it's remember freeing. God's historic acts in yes. history. Yeah. And last week we talked about worship and yes, like, and, you know, like the regularly scheduled worship versus the like responsive worship uh-huh. and all of those things. And I also forget or lose sight of the fact that like, while I can worship the Lord for his current events, his yes. acts of kindness and goodness and faithfulness, I can worship the Lord for the way that he rescued the Israelites yes. from slavery in Egypt. Like I can worship him for his wondrous acts of old. Yes. Because it shows us who he is. Yeah. And very often, I think it's hard. I mean, very often it's hard to identify what God is doing in our immediate circumstances and even in like the circumstances of our world in this particular time, or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever yeah. time, anytime, it doesn't have to be now. Mm-hmm. And so it's that zooming out and back mm-hmm. and looking yeah. at um, and like, oh, okay, I may not know what he's doing, but I know who he is. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I can trust what he's doing, even yes. though I can't see it. This topic, I'm so excited because, Rachel, we're going to get to keep going in this idea of remembrance. We're mm-hmm. going to, so this is our last week in the Faith and Practice series, which I'm just so thankful for this conversation. It felt like such a beautiful bookend. Kelly, thank you. We're so oh, grateful I love for being you. Here. You're just, I think you're our most. Uh, Possibly our most guest. frequent guest. This is your fourth uh-huh. episode. Fourth? I'm so I love yeah. that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should just keep it just, going. Yeah. Just keep calling me because okay. yeah. I need to get out. I need to get out of my joggers. I just need yeah. <laughs> come but in your joggers. Also don't have to. No, you no. can come in your joggers. I yeah, should have come. I didn't know I could come in my joggers, and <laughs> now I'm really joggers sad welcome. About it. Yeah, yeah. Right, there joggers you go. always welcome. Yeah. So we're going to start um, the book of Esther next yeah. week, and we're going to do a two week series in Esther. Do you love Esther? Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So then after Esther, we begin our Lent 
season nice. here at She Reads Truth, which yeah. is Felicity. Yeah, uh, right. It's and Remembrance and mm-hmm. Obedience. Yes, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited Solitude. about the way that this series has kind of set us up for the yes. year. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to the Lord for that. Because we intended some of that, but He always mm. intends so much more. It's mm-hmm. so good. So we will be studying for the season of Lent. We will be reading two books of the Bible. We're going to read Joshua and then we're going to read Mark. And so our theme for Joshua is remember and proclaim. Yeah. And so we're going to do that as we kind of start walking toward the cross, walking toward Easter, just to remember God's faithfulness. I feel like this last day of faith and practice, this Remembrance Day, in some ways, I think has made a difference in the way that I read scripture. Mm. Just like genuinely, I'm looking forward mm. to this Esther study to exercise the spiritual discipline of remembrance as I read scripture and to remember the works of the Lord, to read them and reread them, yeah. and then to worship and respond yeah. to them in a way that that is more than just reading a story, but yeah. acknowledging a God that is at work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I I, I hate that we're done right now. I don't want to I know. Be. I'm like, can we just talk about Esther and Joshua? Because I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things we love about you, Kelly. You're always not, ready. No, I mean, I'm not ready all the time on all the books, but I do love those two. Oh, so. they're good. But your game. Yeah. You would be up for it. I would jump in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, um, was it Thomas Chalmers who says, no matter your vision, it's too small. Mm. Uh, that's what it feels like, even like what Amanda was saying, like, this is our plan for first quarter of 2021. And, you know, and we're so proud of no it. No matter your vision, it's too small <laughs> because God has just already been preparing us in some really neat ways. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Kelly, as the four timer, fourth timer, right. um, you know the drill. You know that we, of it. course, welcome mm-hmm. our listeners back next week. And then until next week. I know. Week, I get nervous about, like, how should I emphasize the it's sentence? It's the stage like, fright. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Pressure. Know, is it like keep opening your Bibles? Yeah. Or is it keep opening your Bibles? Bibles or or is it opening keep your opening Bibles? Your Bibles. All right. So, let's oh, see. I can't wait. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I'm going to tee uh, you up and it's just going to come to you. This okay, I'm going to kind of bring it. Shake it out. Okay. Kelly. Keep opening your bottles. Oh, wait, wait, I have oh, to tee you oh, up. Oh, oh, you have to tee me up. Oh, no. She got okay. too excited. Oh, I got so excited. That was like really a natural one. Okay, okay. you have to listen for your cue line. Okay. You ready? Here it comes. All right. All right. We are looking forward to Esther next week. And until then, Kelly, what do we say? Keep opening your bottles. Keep opening your bottles.